0: Welcome to the Crown City Podcast. I'm your host, James DePietro. This is a show that explores the people and places that make our neighborhoods our home. On this episode, I have two very special guests. Phil and Michelle Dozois are expert fitness trainers and the owners of Breakthrough Fit Studios. A native of Minnesota, Phil moved here to become an actor, eventually attending the American Academy of Dramatic Arts which was located in Pasadena from 1974 to 2001. He would go on to work at Brignoli Fitness Training Club, a famous gym founded by a former Mr. Universe that was located on South Delacy Avenue in Old Pasadena. There he met Michelle, who was also starting her fitness career. Michelle hails from South Pasadena and started dancing as early as age 5, and her passion led her to a role in the He-Man She-Ra Masters of the Universe show. Which is amazing on so many levels. This was her first real introduction to fitness and aerobics, and she would go on to win gold medals in both the U.S. and World Aerobic Championships. Believing they could create a better gym that supported the needs and goals of their clients, they opened Pasadena's premier club on South Lake. In parallel, Michelle and Phil pioneered their own fitness programs, like Peak 10, that were offered both at the gym and also on DVD. The club grew to about 20,000 square feet with about 100 employees and had everything one could ever imagine, including a post-workout smoothie bar that was pretty great. It had top-tier equipment and offered an open gym, as well as personal and small group training, but what they are really known for was their classes, which numbered close to 100 a week. My wife and I were members in the 2010s and quickly came to value Breakthrough's facility and people. I even did the 8 Week Peak 10 program, while my wife participated in similar programs as well as group and personal training. In March of 2020, everything that Phil and Michelle worked so hard to build came crashing down with the pandemic. They closed their doors and embraced streaming classes to keep their dedicated community both physically and mentally strong during such a challenging time. They hoped to reopen in the summer of that year, but as they share, the writing was on the walls, and they had to formally close the gym in December of 2020. They built a streaming workout studio in the garage and quickly had hundreds taking classes from around the world. Last year, they opened a physical location on East Foothill and San Gabriel Boulevards called Breakthrough Fit Studio. It's a 1,500 square foot space that returns them back to their roots. They offer individual and small group training there while Michelle continues her successful streaming class options. It is their way to re-engage with their members and write the next chapter of their story. So, without further delay, my conversation with Phil and Michelle of Breakthrough Fit Studios. Phil and Michelle, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thanks so much for having us.
0: Thank you. Great to be here. Well, I was a member of Breakthrough years ago, and we'll get into that. And I think that we might have met during that time. I I remember taking Peak Ten classes with Michelle at one point. I think it was a five o'clock a.m. class, which um, I don't recommend to anyone. But I got a lot out of it, and we we'll we'll talk a little bit more about Peak later on. But I actually don't know a lot about either of you personally. So I know that Phil has been a personal coach and trainer for almost thirty years. And Michelle, you have an interesting story. You've been into gymnastics and dance since you were very little and won gold medals in um aerobic championships and then you created your own kind of fitness line and fitness brand. So to get us started, where are each of you from? How did you meet and when did you know you wanted to get into fitness as a career?
2: Yeah, okay. Um I guess I'm going first. <laughs> yeah, I mean I'm from Minnesota originally and it's i have a very unusual story i came to california to become an actor (laughs) i know that's pretty rare (laughs) that hasn't happened a lot and i lived in california and encino when i was very very young and so there's just this little part of me that always wanted to come back to california but i did get into school and it was the american academy of dramatic arts which was in pasadena at the time so i and you know i ended up in pasadena and um As an actor, you know, I needed to stay in shape. I belonged to a gym and that's where I saw my first trainer who my first view of a trainer was this gigantic guy who would um, eat chicken and broccoli while training his clients, which I thought was hilarious, you know, wearing the big pajama bottom, you know, tank top on a little string bikini tank top. But I, I, you know, I was a member of that gym and I saw these trainers and I wanted, you know, I had to get a job because all actors (laughs) need. A job that makes money and so um i started to pursue training way back way back then and um so you know i got certified i think i got certified in ninety two, nineteen ninety two, 1992 and um, i got a job at brignoli's which was a gym a really cool gym in pasadena in old town pasadena right when old town was just being developed And that was it. I just, I just love training people right from the get-go, just working one-on-one with people and helping them get better, get stronger, look better, feel better. It was, it was really fun for me to do. Um, And that's actually funny where I met Michelle for the very first time too.
1: That's right. That's so funny. Yeah. I, um, I'm actually born and raised in South Pasadena. So I am a local through and through. And I was, like you said, I was in gymnastics and dance when I was younger, and um, I wound up getting a national touring show in the He-Man, She-Ra, Masters of the Universe show. And that was a big show uh, back in the day, and we toured all over the country. And I was a dancer, but He-Man and She-Ra, they actually hired real bodybuilders slash actors. So that was my introduction to going, oh, there's this is a fitness thing, these bodybuilders. And one of the other dancers in the show, her name was Madonna Grimes. She was a national aerobic champion. And so she kind of recruited all of us in the cast and even like the crew, the truck drivers, like everybody to start doing aerobics in these random gyms around the country that we would go to in the middle of the night in between shows. And that was my introduction to fitness through that touring show. Anyway, Long story short, and came back into the Pasadena area. And she really, my friend Madonna, convinced me that I should teach aerobics because it'd be a great way to get a free gym membership and it would help support, you know, it'd be my my second job. So similar to Phil, right? We were kind of in the entertainment industry. I loved fitness. And the first place I ever taught was the same gym, Brignoli Fitness in Pasadena. And that is how our paths originally crossed um, and how we both got into fitness. So
0: I love the story of how you met. Working with family is often challenging. And I say that speaking from experience, I work with family, but working with your spouse is a whole nother thing. You're both trainers. How different are your styles and how has this both complemented and complicated working together i used to say
2: one of us a little country and one of us a little rock and roll so really in the early days when we really sort of partnered up in the very beginning we actually started the breakthrough fitness name inside bodies in motion which was at the time on a royal parkway so you know we've the podcast probably you know go way too long if we talked about all these gyms opening and closing over the last 10 years but we ended up there and she was teaching group fitness and i so she was running the group fitness and i came in as a trainer and then i was running the personal training and then they had the trainers become independent and she got me to teach group fitness which was spinning at the time and i got her to train and once we sort of crossed over I picked up a ton of clients teaching as a spinning instructor. And she, now that she was also a personal trainer, she got really busy. So that's actually where Breakthrough Fitness, we actually didn't have our own brick and mortar space. We started it there. And we've always worked really easily together for the most part. So we kind of had our sides, our specialty, and it's still the same. She still specializes in group and I still specialize in training. But I think we've really learned from each other you know, it's been a compliment to each other. When we ran the business, it's, you know, I think it's, it's just like anything, you know, you're talking about family and, and having a lot on your plate and, you know, you take it on together as a couple. And so luckily it didn't drive us apart, I would say.
1: Well, and I think one thing that also really makes it work is that Phil and I both from the very beginning, before we were married, you know, as we met and kind of grew together, We both really understood that fitness was way more than working out. We understood that it was about the whole person. We understood how well it helped our mental sanity and all the things around there. And it's how we came up with our original name way back when was Breakthrough. We didn't even actually want to use the word fitness, but we couldn't trademark Breakthrough. (laughs) And Breakthrough Fitness made sense because that was our main kind of our main segue into the field that we're in. And so with us having a very common approach to how we felt fitness can enhance everybody's life and and also the the need to really, really make a difference, I think that's helped us kind of stay together on this path of business and life.
0: Well, you mentioned kind of your humble beginnings. Uh, you opened your first studio in 98 on Royal Parkway in a space of about 1,500 square feet. Uh, three years after that, you moved to Fraser Alley in Old Pasadena. And six years after that, you opened what I was first introduced to, which was Breakthrough Fitness on South Lake. When you look back at almost 23 years ago, why did you start Breakthrough and how did you want to be different from other studios that you'd worked at?
2: Yeah, I mean, originally the first studio was for training. And so I just got, you know, I think I mentioned I had run the personal training program. And then the owner said, I don't want employees. I want independent contractors. I don't want to do that. So we switched everyone to independent contractors. And then everyone, as an independent contractor, built up their business. And then the owner said, You know what? I want employees. So now that they have clients and they're members, give
1: them to us. <laughs> uh, I want you to
2: turn everybody over and we'll pay you 12 bucks an hour. I, it just got so. I was jumping from gym to gym to gym and I got so tired of it. So I. I just told Michelle, I just need a small space where I can just do my thing and train.
1: Right. And I think just to segue at that time, so this was way back when I had worked uh, for several gyms, some that we've already mentioned that went out of business and whose philosophy was more about some of them numbers coming in, right? I don't care what you teach. I don't care if it's, this is what I was told, basket weaving or chain smoking, fill the room. You don't need a real instructor. You just need a body in there and get people in the room. And so my experience of working for other owners was very frustrating at that time and demoralizing. And I was trying to support myself and his experience of always having to shift his business around the different owners, which we understand we're business owners, um, really was a catalyst. So in all actuality, we, the only way for us to move forward, we were forced to open our own place right there was like really nothing else for us it was like let's do it
2: yeah highly encouraged <laughs> highly encouraged and and honestly i think every entrepreneur always feels that there's a better way to do it and i think our focus yeah. was that the value really was in the teachers and the trainers we were the people that were getting people there giving people a great experience keeping them there you know sure the the owner sets up the environment and has the building and now, you know, we've been on both sides of that. So we understand it, but there just wasn't the appreciation, I think, for what we were doing. And, you know, once we set up in this little place, I mean, we, we grew out of it fast. I think three years and we, we were out and we had to move to old town, uh, which is a whole nother story. But, um, yeah. you know, she like a basement. We're going to be in a basement. And we grew out of that space in about five plus years. We were there, I think for six years, we grew out of that space. So, you know, what we were doing for people, the experience we were giving people really worked. And Michelle, that's when Michelle started actually doing Pilates as a trainer. And she remained at Bodies in Motion doing group fitness. So
1: for a little while that did work. And then of course, you know, we wound up having children and then your whole world Um, Tilts on the axis, and then you you figure out a new plan.
0: (laughs) When you started out, and you know during the early years, what were some of the hardest challenges and lessons that you learned, and how did you overcome those obstacles?
2: Well, I think you know, Michelle, you just wrote about this a little bit. You know, um, we we had young kids right when we started, and uh, you know, fitness starts at five in the morning. I mean, so if your kids are up all night and you got to go to work at five, it's it's tough. It's pretty tough and we we had a child with special needs so that made things really really challenging for us and we just had to trade off you know to make it work
1: yeah we we traded off i really had to personally stop working quite a bit and so phil really had to handle the bulk of the training i did a little bit and and i think honestly the the being able to work a little bit was for my sanity and for my mental health. And I enjoyed it, but there was just so much to do. You know, our child was pretty affected at the time. We had to do a lot of therapies and all of this. So, you know, I've been through a lot of different challenges for my whole life, even before this. And it's, you know, you're leveled to the ground in some times, right? Where you're just like, what am I going to do? How am I going to start over? And then at some point you just go, you know, you accept where you're at. And then you have to look forward. So I definitely have my times where they're down, but then we're constantly in the shift. Okay, this is what we've got. How are we going to move forward? How are we going to make this work? So luckily, I don't know, maybe it's that survivor instinct, you know?
2: Oh, I was just going to say the other piece of it, of course, is that now we had our own business. And so we were running a business and we didn't really know business. We didn't know how to manage people. We didn't know... Tracking hours, paying employees like there was a there was a a steep learning curve, which is kind of a, a theme throughout our business as we grow and think we can take on these bigger challenges over and over, and so we learned and and there's you know we we definitely had our speed bumps you know we definitely had some challenges oh, yeah.
0: as a member myself back in the day, I could see that you developed an incredibly loyal group of members. The joke I heard behind the scenes was that you didn't have followers. You had disciples.
1: <laughs> That's amazing.
0: Probably, probably talking about Michelle. No. Perhaps. I won't say anything. <laughs> Why do you think Breakthrough members had such a connection to the club?
1: You know, I have to assume it started, you know, with our deep passion of really changing lives. Like we went in to business. Maybe because we weren't business people. We were fitness and health experts. And we designed our entire business around truly getting people results. And I, we also knew I wanted an atmosphere where people felt comfortable, that they didn't feel like they had to be perfect before they came. You know, so many people in the beginning would be like, I'm not going to a gym until I'm in shape. And we just didn't want that. And I wanted the members and the staff to treat each other with support. And community. And I think we were, you know, lucky to have most of our staff on the same page, you know, and then the members get on the same page. So it kind of just spreads out. I have to think it's something to do with the fact that we just led from our heart, you know?
2: Yeah. And I also think that, that we know that people are more successful when they have support. And so that's always been a key factor for us. And so really it became about a community. The gym in general was a community, the whole group, everybody that went. But then there were the 5.30 Tuesday, Thursday cycling people. That became a small group. The the MC3 people, the lose to win people, the peak people. And so you had all these little subgroups, but it was always the same. It was this group of people. They all wanted to be fit. They all needed support. We all had the same struggles. And I just think... I'm already hearing it. Like people are coming back to us because they've gone out, they've joined a gym somewhere, and they just don't feel connected. So you know, the connection was a was what our first core value was to connect with people and to connect people together. So if you come to a class, James, and you're new, I'm like James, this is Michelle. Michelle, James, James is new let's 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 make him feel welcome and then as soon as he feels welcome we're going to give him a really hard time so he keeps coming back cuz that's what they need you know and i mean that in a positive way a hard time um so i think that will never change whether we're online whether we're in person i think that's that's sort of the glue
0: that keeps us going when jen and i moved to Pasadena now 13 years ago or so we looked at different gyms and we originally thought that breakthrough was a little bit too much for us And so we decided to join a different gym, which I will not name on South Lake Avenue, and quickly learned that it was a very bad decision. (laughs) To the extent that we, I think we paid to break our membership. And then right after that, we joined Breakthrough because of the people that we met there. And the second you walk in, there's a difference. And so I think that what you said is really rings true for my experience as a as a member that I still remember, you know, now however many years ago.
2: Yeah, it's sort of the ethos or energy of the facility, of the place, which is really important.
0: Well, I think this would be a good and bad Transition to talking about virtual classes and COVID, because that is a incredibly large chapter in your lives recently. Breakthrough has been passing as premier gym in my opinion, and the South Lake location had it all. You combine personal attention with a state of the art facility and group classes that include strength, cardio, youth sports with Parisi spinning yoga pilates you name it you had it but everything ground to a halt in the spring of 2020 so i can't even imagine what that must have been like so can you share a little bit kind of what you went through
1: i guess i'll just start there were so many things i think with everybody that we've gone through over these 2 years you know the the not knowing when we first shut down, I remember I went into the group room and we tried to figure out the Zoom thing like right away, and it was a total nightmare. But I'm like, oh, I'll teach a class, some you know, let's see if we can make it work. And we had some people on, and and you know, we all thought, well, we were told it was two weeks, if we believed it or not. You know, it was more just getting over the shock of of what's happening, but also knowing that it was absolutely the right thing. You know, like there wasn't, we had the conversation before they made the. The official announcement.
2: You mean the right thing to shut down?
1: Yeah, it was the yeah. right thing to shut down.
2: Yeah, We knew we were going to shut down. And so like we always do, okay, this is our circumstance. Like it or not, this is what it is. What are we going to do? Yeah, and, it was
1: like shift, shift, let's go. What can we do? Brainstorm. Let's have, you and, know, we're on fire almost. And we couldn't, right? even,
2: we couldn't even bring people into the, because everybody had to stay home. So we were like, well, we can't even set up something at the gym, even for teachers to come in because- people were so nervous about it you weren't you remember in the in the beginning it was like 3 weeks of a total shutdown and so we did not pause we said okay how can we help people get fit at home let's get on zoom we got on with a bunch of our teachers hey we're going to teach everyone's going to learn to teach from their house we're going to figure out the audio and the video who's in we got a group of people that were like we support it yeah trying it, to it took us out. 1 yeah. week and we launched a schedule of classes the following week online. And we did it, you know, people were still, had paid their dues. We ended up doing it until the end of May for donations, you know, and, and- Well, we
1: froze everybody. After the two weeks- Oh yeah, we stopped. We stopped. We were like, okay, after two weeks, we're freezing all memberships. We're, we're you know, like we're cutting off the business right now.
2: But so- I th- But I think the point is, is that we immediately- went right into how can we keep the community together? How can we help people even from their homes? And it was, it was so bad in the beginning. (laughs) It was so bad, but it was everything we learned. I mean, we learned by literally being out there trying to do it. And I look at where we are now and I, I just, you know, we have our own studio now in our garage. So we, we adapted right away. and. You know, we didn't, we weren't allowed to open the gym until July. So we ended March 16th was, was when things officially shut down. They said, we're gyms are going to open and that we opened for two weeks.
1: Well, gyms are going to be open with a completely yeah, different business yeah. model and rules and regulations we, and all the employees were already gone. Um, you know, so it, it was crazy.
2: So we, we, we kind of did it. We knew, we knew the group fitness piece was just not going to happen for a long time. You know, we, so but after that opening and closing in like a 10 day period we we kind of knew that this the writing was on the yeah. wall especially with our model yeah. and your model is what supports your business and your business is a brick and mortar space and there was no way having people come and work one on one and use the facility it was just no way we were going to be able to to stay and do what we did so
1: well so- we also had in a very very we very high rent area <laughs> you know with yeah. no with no relief at all with that and knowing that you know if you can't if you can't run your business how are you going to pay your rent in the long run so it we knew early that this ship was going to sink you know i think thankfully we all had we on our team had that insight because the process of getting to to actually close and be off of the lease was very very long but it's a because it was a health issue right the shutdown was due to health and spreading a virus through the air. And our main thing was working people out in large groups. Together. And you breathe yes, and mom. spit on each other. I, mean, I hate to say it. So we knew it was the right thing. So that does help.
0: In those early days, when you look back on it, you know there was so much of an unknown. We all thought it was transmitted by touching stuff. And that's why we all like, bleached our groceries when they came in the house and everyone was kind of freaking out about that. If it wasn't airborne, which we now know it was, even if it was just surface touching, the same things apply to a gym because you're touching equipment. You shifted to virtual classes sounds like within a week. You say that they were bad. I'm sure they weren't as bad as you think cuz everyone was everyone was bad back in back in March of 2020. But what was the response from your members in terms of being able to see you guys on Zoom again?
1: I think especially back then, it was incredible. I think it was life-saving for a lot of people. And we, we got that feedback and we still get it quite often. You know, of course, not everybody wants to be on Zoom. Not everybody made that transition. But those that did and had to put in effort on their end, of course, I think it was really life-saving for them. And it was life-saving for us.
2: Yeah, in the in the beginning, it was awesome. I mean, Michelle would have a hundred people. I remember taking video of some of her Zoom classes, and just there was no spots that were going to go away. No one had to park and race into the gym. And so I think a lot of people, like you know, especially some of the older clients that were definitely more nervous about it, they they loved it. They were like, "I'm working out twice a day. Sometimes it's right here. It's so easy." You know, they adapted, and you know, you talk about pivoting, adapting, shifting. You know, it's interesting people realize that this is the safest way to work out for right now. And I'm just going to do it this way.
0: What has been the biggest surprise since offering live streaming as well as on-demand classes? And I say that knowing from what I've seen on social media that you've had people, Michelle, come from different parts of the area or different parts of the country to come visit you and say hello. Is that is that correct?
1: Yeah. I've, I mean, it's been really incredible. That some people have actually made the physical journey, getting on a plane to show up in a live class just to experience that. Because I had DVDs or downloadable workouts, there are some people outside of California that know who I am. So they joined these virtual classes and just had always, I always got a lot of things like, oh, will you open a breakthrough by me? Will you open a breakthrough here? And of course, that wasn't really possible with our setup. So I think in a way it was a chance for people to come out and just have a moment of that experience of being with a group of people, even though a lot of the people that are working out with this now are home exercisers from the beginning, like that's their preference, but now they've joined a community. So it's been really interesting to see who is going to who sticks in this virtual land. You know, and so it's a—it's literally a combination of some of the regular used to go to the in-person gym, and then people who always exercised by themselves at home.
2: And I'll just say this because Michelle won't say it, but she's got people from France. She's got people from the Philippines. I mean, she has people that used to watch her on a DVD and now can take live workouts with her and connect with her. And it's you know, for them, it's it's you know, a nine a.m. class is six o'clock in France, so it works perfect for some people's schedules. <laughs>
0: So, Phil, you mentioned this, that Michelle has somewhat of a a large amount of name recognition. Michelle developed Peak 10, which my wife did several times. I've done or or suffered through it and uh, incredibly uh, grateful that I did and grateful that my wife actually convinced me to do so. Because when I look back on it, when I did Peak 10, it was the strongest I've ever felt in my life. People on, uh, that are listening to this can't see this, but you're both nodding because you probably hear this all the time. Back then, I was uh, cycling primarily for my form of exercise and doing peak on the side. And I noticed a difference in my cycling, which I never expected. So there's a carryover from the strength component to the cardio. And that's something that I did not expect. So uh, to kind of go back to kind of what, Michelle, you've done in the last couple of years with Peak 10 and, and some of the other programs you've done, you've created a kind of personal brand Around yourself. You know, what's the pressure like to have that and to maintain that over the course of a career?
1: Well, you know, it's interesting because I developed with Phil. Phil and I actually came up with the idea of Peak Ten together on a road trip, one of those rare opportunities when you can, as a couple, go away when you have young children, right? Where you could think. And I think a lot of it came from my own personal need to to create or to find a program that was, I felt like I wanted to get my life back. I wanted to get my fitness back because my day was full of of young kids and special needs and and you know, your the focus is on your children. And so I never really felt back to myself. And previously I got into DVDs through working for other companies. They would hire me. So, like Weight Watchers or Jenny Craig or all, all these other videos. So I always did what they asked me to do. And when I had the kids and I was getting, you know, in the state where I was creating Peak 10, I was like, what if we just did a program that would really work for us? So selfishly, I created it exactly how I wanted to work out. And I never thought I'm creating a personal brand. I never even, a thought never crossed my mind. So it's really interesting but long story short, it it went well. It did get an infomercial. Didn't do so great in the infomercial world, but definitely did great in the health club world. And with my own, that's where I would probably call it the personal brand, right? Where I'm kind of marketing this and meeting people myself, not with a huge company, like an infomercial company backing me. So I guess that's where, to me, I'm thinking a personal brand came to be. I don't know. I think I, as as just a human being, I struggle with Feeling I'm doing enough, right? So the pressure is me wanting to make a change for people and help them get the results they want. When it doesn't happen, I often think, what did I do wrong? And I know that's a growth stand on my, from my point of view, right? Everyone has to take responsibility for their own health and well being, but I'm always looking for ways to make it easier so that more people can accomplish it. So I think the, Pressure is pressure I put on myself more than anything.
0: Following the launch of your virtual classes, you opened Breakthrough Fit Studio, which it sounds like is in your garage. Is that correct? Such
2: a great question because we were trying to figure out what is Breakthrough Fitness. And because we had a virtual component and then I was doing some training on the side, we – we we realized that some people might work out with us at home and some people might work out with us live and some people might work out with both. So we created this breakthrough fit studios. And the idea was there was going to be an in-person studio. And even Michelle thought for a while, until things keep going up and down with COVID, is that she would have even rent a studio to teach groups. We would have some personal training studio, we would have a group studio, and then we'd have our virtual. So that was the idea. And then when I opened the personal training studio, it was the Breakthrough Fit Training Studio. So that's what I ended up opening in October. But what you're probably referencing sort of end to summer was Michelle was doing, I think, the renting of the, the group fitness classes.
1: Well, yeah, I was I was starting to do some pop-up classes. I mean, let's face it, we love, I mean, we all need connecting with people in person it's not going to work all the time for everybody, but I really wanted to offer opportunities to have those classes. So again, just kind of reiterating what Phil said, the Fit Studios was all us trying to figure what is our brand moving forward because that place we loved and so many people loved and it was it was so amazing, right? It was gone and trying to rebuild it or reopen something like that. We knew it's just not feasible. It's not feasible at all. So how do we move forward? How do we keep the the ethos? How do we keep what we ultimately wanna do is help people. And this is what we came up with for now, you know, Breakthrough Fit Studios. We're at home, I got a studio here, we've got that studio there and we're just trying to make it
0: work. And you certainly are. So you opened the, the facility, which is about 1500 square feet. So we're kind of full circle back to the beginning of of your journey.
2: Totally, totally crazy full yeah.
0: and now we're into a new chapter of it. But you open that up on Foothill Boulevard. How excited are you to be back in a physical gym? And how is it like the old club? And how is it different other than the size?
2: So let me just say that you know because it's been almost a year since we so we closed, you know officially 2020. in twenty twenty. We closed
1: December like December twentieth or something. Yeah,
2: we closed the gym. You know, on Lake. And I told Michelle, I never want to look at another lease ever again. (laughs) That lasted 10 months. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so, you know, working somewhere else, renting space from somewhere else, although economically probably better. Again, it just fell back into that scenario of I just can't create the experience that I want to with my people. I just. I'd, I'd put more safety measures maybe, I would have different music playing, I would set up the equi- Like I couldn't stop thinking about it, it's just how I'm wired now. So when I looked at this small space, I was just, I was just, I'm like, it's too small, like it's crazy. Yeah,
1: we went back and forth several times, but upon further investigation of leasing, of trying to find a rubber floor again, so many factors, it was yeah. crazy. This space kept coming back to us.
2: It, it had an outdoor space. It had, it had, an outdoor it had space. the key
1: things we needed based on the world we're living in now. And it had a rubber floor so, and windows. Yeah, and it like, was
2: do it. It was, it was set up. So in a way, it's kind of like the spiral staircase analogy. You're in the same place, but you're at a different level. You're at a, you're at a higher level. And so when you say excited you know i was actually very excited when i opened but i was not as excited as the clients were excited and as new people come and i've had over the last especially couple of weeks i've had people who again sort of you know strayed away tried different things whether it's home workouts or they're at other facilities They just, they just, it just doesn't have that feel. And they literally walk in, even though it's small. So it's just private training. So there's no one works out on their own. It's all either private or small group. And so I think it's a unique model because the studios out there, like the, the soul cycles and the, you know, they're, they're still larger groups, 20, 30 people in a small room doing something. So for us, it's, it's about 10 people is as big as it gets with the outdoor area. It's very spread out. And so I think people feel safe. It feels personal, but at the same time, they have that community sense again. And it's, it's, I mean, people just come and they're just, I mean, somebody last week was like in tears. It's great. You know, they just, Oh, it feels so good to be back.
1: Yeah. And I think, You know, home is where the heart is, (laughs) right?
2: And I'll just say this without our rent was astronomical on Lake and we had a hundred employees and we were open every day of the year, except two. And we were open from five in the morning until 10 o'clock at night. And, you know, now I'm able to just focus on the clients and they feel that they see that they, you know, it's just, it's just so much easier to just focus again on them. And it's funny that after 20 years, we're right back where we started
1: yeah and I will say that you know there's a lot of things we miss a lot and I'm really grateful that we had the experience of breakthrough fitness of that larger space and I'm left with really fond memories but it was it was very stressful running such a huge operation and and it did pull us away from our first passion, which is helping people when you have to manage all the parts about a business, you get kind of pulled away so for us personally, we've been able to recreate our life a little bit like everybody. And so, you know, as we've gotten older, just the, the, the fact that we need to take care of ourselves and lower our stress levels. So just coming up with a new way to work and to function and still serve and to make sure that we're, we're okay as well has been, you know, high on our priority list.
0: With the old club breakthrough kind of fit between like the big chain fitness centers, like the Equinox, Alley Fitness, et cetera, et cetera. And now that there are smaller ones like Orange Theory. On top of all this, now you have the introduction of virtual platforms. You have an emergence of platforms like Peloton, which seemed like they they might have peaked, no pun intended. And it seems like maybe things are kind of settling down a little bit with that. But it sounds like how your positioning breakthrough now is really focused on community. Is that correct?
1: Absolutely. I mean, and it's always a constant, you know, reinvention of how can we create more community, even virtually. So it's something I'm consciously working on and developing all the time. And, you know, the Pelotons and YouTube channels, all of this was out there before. It's definitely a large space. But the brick and mortar space was a really large space as well. So as long as we can continue to serve the people that feel connected to us and we can grow that a little bit, then we're happy if we know that we're changing a group of people's lives, no matter how big or small that is.
2: And I will say this, you know, I think my youngest client, well, except for this 18 year old who came in with her mom, (laughs) you know, it's, it's probably 40 to 80 are my clients. So, you know, this is an older crowd that definitely will keep their home workouts. They have their Pelotons. They do that, but they like to be with people and they like to have someone that's watching them so they don't get hurt. And in a big group setting, and if you're active, you know, we are all living longer nowadays and we want better quality of life. You know, you don't want to finally get your kids out of the house and then be just completely wiped out, right? Or you sell your company or you retire or whatever. You eventually have more time. And so it's really great to work with people that really want to have high quality of life and they know what it takes. They know they have to exercise. They know they have to stretch. They know they have to work on their cardio and so those people like to be with other people in that environment and so i really do feel like that's a a bit of our niche for sure is that age group
0: well one thing that the both of you are always doing is pushing your limits and always thinking about what's next when you think about the next year the next five years and beyond where do you think breakthrough will be and what are your plans to keep it moving forward it's a really really good
2: question because Michelle kind of brought it up earlier and, and you know, it goes past fitness. It just goes way past that. And so we're really looking at how can we coach the whole person? How can we look at a person and really help the whole person, not just their fitness, which I think we, I think we kind of have that. I think we can do that. I think we're good at that. I think people get that, but they realize that other than that one hour workout, they still need to move. They still sit too much. They need to get up. They need to stretch. They need to eat healthier. And then eating healthier is such a component of other drivers like stress, like lack of sleep, like pressure from work, like doing too much. And so we're really trying to focus now on instead of body transformation maybe or weight loss, how can we transform the life? What is it like to be a healthy person and what does that life look and how can we help people? Move closer to what that is. We, we we have this saying that our job is to help people get fit, stay fit, and live life to the fullest. And whatever that live life to the fullest is for you, whether that's playing with your kids, whether that's hiking, whether it's biking, whether it's going on trips to Europe, you know, whatever it is, we want people to know that that's really what living healthy is about: is about doing the things that you absolutely love to do. So that's what we're trying to find you know, more ways to help people get there.
1: And I think um, just bringing it back to um, earlier in our conversation, when we were naming our business Breakthrough and really didn't want to have the word fitness, although we love fitness, in a way it's coming back to that. And yes, I can absolutely show you how to lose weight, but I also need to help you learn how to maintain that and balance your stress, like Phil said, and overcome some obstacles and learn how to shift in your own life. So Phil and I have both gone through all kinds of courses and certifications through life coaching, nutrition, and all the areas of whole wellness and deep health. So as we expand and continue to go forward, those are the areas that we'd like to further develop and create more opportunities for people for growth.
0: We're recording this in mid-January. The episode won't come out until early February, but um, it is cliche, but we are starting a new year. We often think it's a time for renewal and rebirth, and there is no greater example of renewal and rebirth than breakthrough fitness. What is the best advice that you've given your clients over the years as they begin any kind of new health routine? You
2: know, we're, we're really focused on this who you want to be concept. And what is it to be a healthy person? And it really starts with that. So if you're a healthy person, instead of having a goal, I want this result. What is a person who gets that result? Who do they need to be? And that's something that we're, you know, that we're trying. Because like Michelle said, like we we can get people to lose weight; it's keeping it off. If we can get people to get fit; it's keeping them fit. Like we get like the transformation piece almost. You know, Once people are in that mindset, you can get there. It's just getting them to adopt that lifestyle. Yeah, it's
1: the long haul, right? The long way. Yeah, yeah, who do we need to be? I need to be a person that exercises. I need to be a person that chooses to eat healthy most of the time. I need to be a person that's open-minded. I need to be a person that learns how to be calm under pressure. You know, all the things that I think human beings would like to be, right?
2: It's, it's sort of that, that saying of, I know what to do, I just don't do it like we hear that all the time like i know exact like there is no magical pill there's no magic pill like it's exercise eat less exercise a little more move and people know it but they just don't think they're that person maybe and so we try to get people to be that person or be around people that are like that and hopefully adopt that sort of identity and that's i think where we're going i think we're always scratching our head like even this year with peak Launching peak, we're doing a different version of peak and and we're focused on more of the whole person, you know, and helping people look at their sleep, look at their stress, look at their energy management.
1: Well, and know that small changes add up. Don't have to be perfect, right? It's not this all or nothing. Fitness is evolving, your own health is evolving, and 1% better is 1% better, and you can build on that. So letting people grow through their life and evolve over time, right? And you can be healthier as you go.
0: I follow both of you on social media. And one thing that I'm struck by is how honest the both of you are. Sometimes you share fitness stories, of course, about routines, but you've also used your platforms to share personal things like struggling with anxiety or depression and how just getting up and moving really lifted your mood. How do you think the definition of health and wellness has changed since you started? And does it change your approach to training?
1: Well, first of all, I'm really grateful that we live in a time where mental health is on the forefront and people can talk about it and it's acceptable. And I think that's a huge change for everyone, you know, and it's important. It's so important. I think your mental health has to come first. It's the driver of everything.
2: You know, sometimes people think we have these sort of, you know, perfect lives and I gotta tell you. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's like everybody else, you know, we have to make that decision every day to get up. I mean, you know, to train some of my groups, I'm up at four in the morning and I'm not complaining about that. It's a reality, but I gotta get myself in the right mindset. Sometimes I say to them, I am your morning coffee and I've gotta be there. I got to be on, and so we both believe without a doubt that exercise, working out, being around people has helped our mental fitness. Has really helped us through feeling down, feeling depressed, feeling frustrated. You know, I think it's it's one of the best things that you can do to feel better emotionally is to exercise, and so. It is good that we we do try to share that we struggle with sugar, we struggle with fast food, we struggle like we're not perfect um, at all. At all. Sometimes we look at people on social media and be like, that is just insane. Does that person ever eat anything bad? Like, you know? And and we try to be as real as possible. And yeah. I think that's why people connect with us. Like, yes you know, we're in good shape and it is part of who we are and what we do, but we struggle all, you know, with it just like everybody else does.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think just, you know, from my, my past, I've had some very challenging things happen to me since I was a little girl and trying to overcome them is a constant life's work and rewriting the story in our head because it's our, our voice. It's what, it's what the inside voice is saying to us all the time. Right. And so I'm always working on trying to quiet that negative voice that we all have, and some are louder than others, and learning that the negative voice isn't always right. So sometimes I like to share what's going on in my head because I have to assume that I'm not alone. And I think I want people to know that. Like, you might think it's easy for me, but it's not. And I think if I give a little window of that whenever I can, then it might help one person. You know, when, one of the first DVD series I did on my own, I did, a, I shared a story of, of how I, I had a child with autism and how I really lost myself. And when I shared that story on the DVD, those that got the DVD and listened to it, so many people reached out to me who were in the same boat. And I think that really opened my eyes. And that was part of me knowing that sharing is really caring. <laughs> um, so anyway,
0: People are really drawn to authenticity, and I think that you both exude that because you practice what you preach, and I think that's really important. And I think that's what brought people in the doors, and that's what brought people back to the in-person option that you've now created. You know, you're small business owners that have weathered a pandemic in an industry that from the outside seems to be rapidly changing. How do you maintain your own sense of balance other than things that we've talked about already?
2: I think, you know, you have to remain flexible and open. You just can't get stuck thinking there's one way to do something. You know, it's funny because hybrid now, hybrid work, hybrid fitness, it's it's about having options. And I think, you know, you maintain balance by being flexible, by being open to things. And if things shut down and we have to tighten up our, you know, be safer for a while, then we be safer for a while. And then as things open up, we can open up. And I I kind of posted something the other day about being, you know, about being bored. And it, it's sort of a, you know, my response to that is you're doing, in a way you're doing the right thing because consistency can get boring. And that's how the best of the best people achieve these amazing goals, like Michelle said about consistency. And so I'm not saying that, you know, we do our best to make sure people are never bored. We're in entertainment Like we, you know, we, we, you know, we try, <laughs> we try as much as we can, but You know, it doesn't mean that you give up. It doesn't mean that you stop. And if you do it, you always feel better. You always feel more motivated. And people are always looking for that motivation first, but it it really comes from just showing up. You know, and so I would just say, you know, to have balance is to stay flexible and open, and then take some action, move in a direction, you know, as much as you can.
1: Well, and when you're having a down day, like know when it's time to shut down. Like, shut down for a moment, allow yourself to regroup, and then say, All right, I'm moving on. Here's what I got to do. And I think we have to be okay with feeling upset or depressed or anxious or bored and all those things, and recognize that that's where we're at right now. Kind of take a deep breath, step back and step back into moving forward. Once you've been able to kind of push that aside, you know, you kind of need a new day to start over. And I think sometimes we just need to know today's not the day. And I think we're all struggling with that, right? The highs and lows of this. And this has been really challenging for everyone. And we're all growing like crazy and being open to helping each other. At least that's my hope, right? That us struggling within ourselves, eventually, hopefully our society will be in a place where they're going to want to support each other, and everybody.
0: (laughs) Well, I think that's a great way to kind of wrap up our conversation. I have one final question, which is, when you look back on the incredible journey that you've been on with Breakthrough, if you could give your younger selves some advice about the joys and the struggles ahead, what would that be?
1: Gosh, maybe stop trying to do it all. Stop trying to be so perfect. Stop worrying about every single little detail. And that's cliche, right? Because... (laughs) Heard that before.
2: But. I just think you should try to do it all, try to be perfect, and try <laughs> to exceed. No, so not true. <laughs> no, I, you know, I, I think play the long game. It, it is, is really important, and that consistency over intensity. And I, I talk to people a lot about that because sometimes they don't. They come in and they're tired, and I'm like, you came in, do what you can today, but you showed up. You're consistent. You can't always have that high intensity all the time, unless you're the energizer bunny like next to me. But I see her when she's not the energizer bunny (laughs) after she's, but I think play the long game, don't overdo it and find ways to enjoy the the process. It's so important to find little ways to enjoy the process because happiness is all about now, not down the road. So If you're, if you're, if you've gotten out of shape and you want to get back into shape, every time you show up, you should feel good about that. Just showing up because that's taking action, making a statement. That's saying who you are as a person. And I think, I think if you focus on that, you're more likely to continue doing
0: that. Well, with, with health, there's never an off season and a person just needs to kind of keep adjusting and moving forward. And there are no better examples of this than the two of you. And so I wanted to thank you for being such a great part of Pasadena, for being wonderful examples of rebirth and wellness and for coming on the podcast. I greatly appreciate it.
1: Thank you so much for having us. It was our pleasure.
0: Yeah, thanks, James. My many thanks to Michelle and Phil for coming on the show. I wanted to have them on to share their story because I think it illustrates the power of determination to get through even the most trying times. Despite the obstacles they faced, they broke through them and found a way forward. If you're interested in starting or restarting your own health journey, please visit them at BreakthroughFitness.com and follow not only the studio, but also Michelle and Phil on social media as they are truly motivating forces. Their physical studio is located at 2700 East Foothill Boulevard, suite 106. Let this episode be your excuse to take charge of your health. Personally, I hope to make 2022 the year that I make my physical and mental fitness a greater priority. And thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this conversation, please consider subscribing, rating and reviewing the show. After working through some technical challenges, I've now added the podcast to Stitcher so you can find the show there and on most platforms. Please consider supporting the show either through direct sponsorship or Patreon. I would love your comments, feedback, and suggestions. You can reach me at james at Podcast.com and follow me on Instagram. Until next time, please remember to stay well, stay engaged, and as always, see you around town.